Just a quick note before we get started, we are only able to do this podcast because of the support of you, our listeners. We'd like to thank each and every one of our Patreon donors that help keep this show going. Through Patreon, we are able to offer our supporters bonus content like mini-episodes and even the chance to program an episode with monthly donations that help us keep the lights on. If you're interested in joining our Patreon family, please click the link in the show notes. And while you're at it, please leave a rating and or comment on whatever platform you're listening to this podcast on. That helps us gain helpful insight about the show and boost our visibility. Thanks for listening and enjoy the episode. Hello and welcome to Fatal Films, a podcast surrounding the women of mystery. Each episode will look at a movie or TV show written, directed, or made famous by a female-identifying artist. We're your hosts, Laura Celeste and Lacey Cannon-Gonzalez. Stay tuned. In this episode, we look at the 2015 horror film The Black Coat's Daughter, directed and written by Osgood Perkins, starring Emma Roberts, Kiernan Shipka, Lucy Boynton, Lauren Holly, and James Remar. To get us started, here is a synopsis. Over their winter break, two Catholic schoolgirls get left behind at their boarding school, at which the nuns are rumored to be Satanists. We want to caution you that this episode is full of spoilers. We go in-depth on every aspect of the plot, so if you care about that, go watch the movie first and come back. We'll be waiting. Trigger warnings for this episode are brutal, bloody violence, frightening, and intense scenes. So this movie came out in 2015, and a lot of things happened that year. Gay marriage was legalized across the United States. Star Wars The Force Awakens brought in $1 billion in 12 days, which was an industry record. Gee whiz. Oh, new leadership took over in Canada. There, he's still their prime yep, minister, he's still there. right? Um, yep. Justin Trudeau. Justin Trudeau. Um, oh, Cuba and the U.S. restored diplomatic relations after a 54-year Cold War between the two countries. Kate, oh, this is when you could finally fly in and visit and everything like that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Kate Middleton and Prince William's second child, Princess Charlotte Elizabeth Diana of Cambridge, was born. And the world mourned legends of screen, stage, literature, and music, including B.B. King, Sir Christopher Lee, Leonard Nimoy, Sir Terry Pratchett, that was a hard one for me, and Maureen O'Hara. So, All right. 2015, I don't remember that being a bad year. I, I picked some good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I could have picked some, there was some not so good stuff, but I picked I picked some better stuff. Um, you're going to talk about a movie as upbeat as this one. Yeah. You're going to lead with some really, really exciting news. Yes. <laughs> positivity in that year. It's like, we're not going to get much, so might as well start it at the beginning. <laughs> right. So, as y'all can tell from this other voice that is speaking, we do have a guest today. We have Doug from the Good Times Great Movies podcast Yay. joining us. We're very happy to have him. But this, I am very happy that you guys had me back. <laughs> this is a special episode because this is your pick. You um, support us on Patreon, and you got to pick uh, what we talked about today. So, why did yeah, you pick this one? Well, first of all, in case listeners don't know, if you sign up for Patreon at, I believe, the $15 level, you can pick a movie that you guys 
have to talk about. <laughs> so I could have been very cruel. And, and again, I don't know how you really felt about this movie. So maybe it was a chore. Maybe this was a horrible thing to give you guys. But um, no, I gave you the Black Coat's Daughter because, I mean, I don't want to, you know, speak in too many hyperboles here, but I think it is a modern horror masterpiece, hands down. It, it's one of my favorite films easily of the past 10 years. Um, this came out of nowhere to me. I didn't hear anything about it. I heard no one talking about this movie. And, you know, it's, it's A24, and I think, we can make comparisons between that and the witch and, and some other things that they've put out. Um, but I really do put this in the same category as it follows or the witch in that they're really doing modern horror, right? In this slow burn. I, I hate to use terms like that because I know that that kind of turns people off to this, but it's very deliberate with what it's doing it, it's from the jump this is not a film that that kind of lulls you into this sense of uh, happiness or, or or it sneaks up on you with its terror and horror i mean it is right from the jump you're like i'm depressed this is going to be upsetting so i am totally along for the ride and this is personally just for me this is the type of horror movie that i am all about I think sometimes people confuse slow burn with boring, and yes. this is not boring. This at is all. an active slow burn. Yeah, I heard it. I read an article and I couldn't find it, but someone called it a meditation. No, I, I can totally see that. I can totally understand that. Like, like you said, it's not boring. But I've I've heard people say that. I've heard people who don't like the movie say. I just watched really nothing happen for an hour and a half. Wow. First of all, come in at about an hour and a half. Like this doesn't need to be two hours and 20 minutes of this, but I'm, I'm engaged with these characters. I mean, it, the, the mood is terrifying. Just the big empty building full of basically two to five characters. If we really want to count the other three as characters, and I guess we should, mm -hmm. but it's, I'm engaged the entire time. There's not a moment in here that I'm checking my watch or anything like that. Absolutely. That was one thing I noticed because the storylines lines are very ah. simplistic, but they're done really well so that you get enough to have really well-rounded characters and you can follow along, but it never feels convoluted. It doesn't feel like they're trying to pack too much in. It all just kind of rolls together. And again, it's like I could under – it's like watching it through the first time, like I was definitely like, okay, okay, there's a lot happening. And then re-watching it over and over, you just keep picking up on these little just like treasure yeah. troves of stuff. Yeah, I think I think the mood was something that grabbed me right away. Mm -hmm. and, and even if I wasn't sure where things were going or, or at times maybe wasn't quite sure how these different timelines – first of all, you don't even know that they're different timelines at first. First of all, here's what I will say. If you've gotten this far and you have not seen it, please stop this. Just pause the podcast. Find this movie. Watch it. I mean I hate to, I hate to use the term twist and I hate when people tell me there's a twist in a movie because then – I am guessing what the twist is the whole yeah. time. And and it's not as though it ruins it. If you've seen movies before, you could probably figure this out before all is revealed. But the first time I watched it, it, I was all about the mood. And the performances of these actresses are 
it's it's phenomenal. All three of the main so players good. are doing a great job in this film, and I was so caught up in it. You actually feel like you're there. I know this is all stuff that, that people say when they talk about films that they like, but it really was so captivating. It really does improve if it's able to improve upon subsequent viewings. You know, I get something new out of it each and every time. And, yes. and once I know what's happening, I can then concentrate more on, strangely enough, what is happening as opposed to the tone, as opposed to the mood. You start to get these little things. I mean, very early on um, when she's sitting in, I don't know, should we call him the dean? I don't know who that guy is. But when yeah. she's sitting in his yeah, when she's sitting in his office at the beginning and she's looking off to the side and she's just smiling. Like I didn't notice that the first time I watched this because I'm not sure mm -hmm. what's going on. I don't know where her parents are, I don't know what's happening. But then watching it again, it's like, oh my god, I, I didn't think about that. I didn't see it. And I think that that part's interesting because then they do go back later and they show you that she's looking at this demon monster horn thing, but they don't show that scene, which I thought was kind of interesting. Mm, yeah, you just, you know, you know, you know, he's there. Right. Yeah, I really like this movie and I, I can't watch it at night. I watched it at night the first time and I woke up and I was like, if I open my eyes, I know I'm going to see that thing in the corner of the room. So every subsequent subsequent viewing has been in the daytime. <laughs> well, you also you know what? that's good. It's safe. Yes, daylight safe. You also said at first that you would never watch it again. Yeah, the first time I was like it because I was like, this is brilliant. It is so well done. This is amazing acting, storytelling, direct, just like fantastic movie. I can't ever watch it again because it scared me so much. Yeah, but then I no, watched I... it again, and then I watched no. it again. Yeah. <laughs> I get that 100%. Like, I'm a, I'm a grown man in my 40s with children, and I watched, uh, not to get off on a different movie, I watched Host recently, and at mm. the end of Host, I was like, I'm scared. Like, I'm in the basement by myself, and I am <laughs> unreasonably terrified right now. I have heard that that one Host? is scary. Yeah. That doesn't, I don't like the sound of that. Uh, that sounds like, that sounds like, Yep. It's a breezy, like, hour and two-minute movie. It's it's amazing. You should watch it. Okay. So this is his, um, the director, Osgood. Osgood Perkins' first movie, but is actually released second. But I ended up watching it first because I had tried to watch I'm the Pretty Thing That Lives in the House several times, and... The whole opening bit of that one where it's the monologue and like nothing is happening. I just kept zoning out and I was like, I'm not paying attention to this. So then I watched this one. And after that, I was like, okay, now I have to watch I'm the Pretty Thing That Lives in the House. You got it. That's, um, we, we have a very similar story. Uh, actually, I'm glad I didn't know that he was the director of I Am the Pretty Thing. Because just like you, I think I tried to watch that three times. And two of the three times I fell asleep, and the third time I went, this is not for me. So I'm glad I did not know he directed this. I may have avoided it. I have not revisited it since I watched this multiple times, so I might have to do that. I mean, I, I don't know why I keep putting it off. It's right there on Netflix, but I really should go in and watch that. 
yeah, it's it's really good too. Um, similar feel, but I would say I don't, don't want to say less happens in it, uh-huh. but less might happen in it. But it's still so captivating. Maybe because it's not. Is it? Is it? Is it a linear story, or does it have different storylines? It's kind of linear. It's only two, really two characters. There's a a third character that like pops in for like a minute. Okay. But but I guess yeah. we probably should start digging into this yes. one a little bit. It, it may because of the non-linear timeline of this. Be- if we jump around a little bit, that will probably happen. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's important to know that it's basically told in sort of three sections or, or three yeah. chunks, and, and each one has a title card of the character's name. Mm-hmm. But like we alluded to, it is jumping around in time. It's jumping around focusing on different characters. So I, I think you know trying to cover this in a linear fashion might be the way to... I don't even know. I don't even know the best way to recap this. I went through this morning and I was trying, because I kind of like try to do beats just so I can kind of make it make yeah. sense in my head where the energy changes. So sure. I tried to do that. Right away, like you said, the tone of this just is established immediately. Yeah. Because it's, this is one of those movies where I kind of feel cold I feel, when I'm watching yeah, it. It's a cold movie. And we first see a girl asleep in a bed and an icy landscape and then there's like a kind of you see something a figure or something kind of pass by and like a shadowy figure yeah. yeah and then you can tell that well I don't know if you can tell it's a dream it's I think that's the thing because it because is is it a dream is it happening and it takes a minute for you to kind of figure that out yeah um, I feel like it's almost a I mean, kind of a premonition because I don't think it's happening in real time. I don't think it's happening while she's dreaming Mm because I think we're still a couple days away from that Friday that they're whatever Thursday that they're supposed to be picked up whenever. So I feel like it really is a premonition. She knows what's happening or she then knows what happened to her parents. Like none of that is a surprise to her. Mm -hmm. So that's sort of how I read this opening. I kind of also thought this might be the first I don't know if it's the first, but one of the initial interactions between her and whatever this entity is. Cause it, yes. Because it's like, because she calls it daddy. Right? Yeah. Like she's calling she, it yeah, daddy. She said, daddy, you came early and right. daddy wears the car. And then, yes. and then the car's all smashed. Yeah, and the car's all smashed up. But later when she's calling her parents on the phone, she calls her dad, dad. Yeah. So we've kind of been referring to this entity as Demon Daddy. You know what? <laughs> That's great. I literally can't go five seconds without... I was like, I'm not going to do it unless you talk about it. <laughs> That's what I've been calling it this whole time. And then another theme that we see a lot is the phone ringing. Because we hear a phone ringing. And then we move into this scene, which is a very odd scene, and... I'm not, even beyond the demon in the room, sure what is going on with this scene. So maybe you have some insights. Sure. 
where she goes in and she's talking to the priest headmaster guy. Like, it's a weird scene. Yeah, it's it's a super weird scene because this is the headmaster that's leaving, right? He's the one that's like, I'm going to Buffalo or wherever he's going. Yeah, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not exactly sure. Albany, something Albany. like that. And he's talking about how she has this recital and that she's been practicing for. And she's, you know, we see her play the piano later and everything. And I think it's so interesting how he keeps referring to it as a recital. She's off in space staring at some demon daddy yeah smiling he like brings her back to reality and it's almost as though like i love how she phrases it because she doesn't say i'm sorry you're gonna miss the recital she said i'm sorry you're gonna miss my performance and i'm just like what is that does she know what she's going to end up doing like is is this is this her understanding already what this thing wants her to do because it, it's such a bizarre interaction between the two. And I like how you, you, you're introduced to these characters, but I am never sure what, who she was before this happened. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm never sure. Like, I don't know if she had friends at this school. I don't know if she's a weird loner. Like, this movie to me, and not, I mean, I don't want to spoil anything or get too deep. This, this movie to me is so, it's about, loneliness she's so lonely and she's so alone and she's just looking for something like you know what's her name at the school she doesn't want anything to do with her you know these the the nuns and everything seem put out by the fact that she's there her parents are gone she's looking for something and that makes i don't want to have sympathy for this horrible murderer basically but that's what makes it so sad at the end because everything she thought that would get her back to this one figure this one entity it doesn't work like it doesn't work and then at the mm -hmm. end of this she realizes that she's again and still utterly alone and it's so sad and scary at the same time i was reading an article and they were kind of talking about the difference in um kiernan chipka who plays cat like uh -huh. her character versus a Reagan in, Exor in The Exorcist or um, The Exorcism of Emily Rose with Emily Rose. It's like they are the victims, these, you know, very pure, pure of heart victims that have to deal with this. But then you have Kat who's like, I just want company. Fine, yeah, yeah possess me. <laughs> I'm cool and with yeah. that. I just don't want to be alone. Yeah, and, and strangely enough at times it seems like She's not resisting it. She's mm -hmm. not fighting it. There are times, especially later when we get into her older self, where she's kind of reveling in this at times. And, I mean, I think she's doing it for certain reasons. But you're right. She's not just, you know, she's not the possessed person that comes to herself and is like, I'm still inside here. It's right. taking. No, she doesn't do that. It doesn't play with those tired tropes either which is why i really really enjoy this yes and so then we are introduced to rose and it goes back to this a lot too her taking her school picture where she yes. you know she walks in and she's just kind of neutral and then she sits down and like swings her hair around and then the the flashes this brilliant smile just lights up her face and, and again, we don't really know much about her character. We don't get backstories or anything. But you assume she is 
quite popular. You assume she's very outgoing. She's older, of course. I think, I guess she's probably a senior. So you tend to get an idea of who these characters are. Mm -hmm. But also, you know, we see the similarities too, because with her whole pregnancy scare, she is alone. She's not telling her parents about this. She's not even confiding in you know, she confides in the one girl at school who then we never see. Again, yeah. you know, she's just gone with her parents. But it's not as though she's talking about this. She doesn't even want the the boyfriend, let's call him, to drive her there. Again, she is also dealing with this loneliness. Very much so. It's kind of interesting because it is. They're both dealing with loneliness, but it's in very different ways because you do yes. have the girl that who can't seem to connect or like you said, we don't know really that much about her, but we, you know she does. She does seem very isolated because when Rose first walks in, they even have her kind of slow motion walking in, yeah. which reminds me of all like the teen movies when the it girls walk in. Right? Yes, it's it's Mean Girls, it's Jawbreaker, it's yes. all that stuff. Definitely. I totally thought Jawbreaker. That's so funny. That's exactly yeah. what I thought. On a different track. So this was written and directed by Osgood Perkins. And, like, he does a good job of writing these female characters, I think. Yes. And all of his, all three movies that he's directed have very strong female characters in it. But when she is talking to her friend about possibly being pregnant, her friend says something about, like, what he was doing to her or it's... What you were letting him do to you yeah, or something, something like, like that. that. And she was like, no, I was doing it too yeah. and I liked it. She's taking agency of herself and it's nice to see that in a movie, especially one written by a dude. Yeah, because it yeah. is sometimes the tilt is to turn someone into a victim. Yeah. But no one feels very victim-y except for the victims. The people who get murdered. <laughs> Later. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, I think I think it's a, it's a testament to him as a writer and director, yes, but I also, I'm so impressed with these actresses mm -hmm. in this film. I think, what, Shipka was 14 when she, she made this? I think really she was 14, young. playing 16, something like that. She's tremendous. And, yeah. and just to take, you know, that little bit of dialogue and, and to really form an entire character, like a, a realistic human being at that age given, and I don't know what he's doing as far as directing her, I don't know how much of herself she's bringing to this, but she's killing it. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm shocked on subsequent viewings as to how great all three of these actresses are. Yeah, and I know that um, at that time, Emma Roberts was the big name. That's how the movie got sure. made, yeah. But I think she is so good, especially to be the younger of... Kiernan? Yeah. Anytime she's on, it's captivating, and yes. I want to know. You like, can't take your eyes off what she's doing because yes. she's right. she's in it so deep. Mm -hmm. She's yeah. terrifying, but in like the best way. Oh, in the, yeah, in the best way. I mean, it's it's yeah. when she's full on spoiler murdering people. It's one of those things where I look and I'm like, I know she's a 14-year-old girl, but I don't think I'd stand a chance against her. <laughs> like, she just really took action. Yeah. Don't underestimate 14-year-old girls that want something. <laughs> <laughs> but there is, there's a shot that I really like that it's 
all the cars that you see, the just line of cars of the people coming, and then you see all the people walking around. And I think that is really nice to, one, show how full the place is to how empty the place mm-hmm. gets. But also oh, yeah. it goes back to showing how alone they are because here's all of these people, but none of them are there for them. Yeah, there's there's so much commonality between these two characters at the school and it's 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 also one of those things that's such a shame of this because it's like oh you know what if she weren't possessed by a demon and the other girl was just a little bit nicer they could be best of friends <laughs> like it's such a it's such a weird thing to think about in hindsight but it was what i was thinking and and karen shipka even at one point is just she's so desperate she even says like hey the nun said you had to take care of me which you know Reading that, I'm like, you're 16 years old. Like, you don't need anybody to take care of you, but clearly she is just reaching out. It's like the last gasp she has. Like, please, please, please help me connect with me in some way. Which is why even, you know, later on, it's so terrifying when she's like, you had your chance. And I'm like, oh, no, this is not going to go well. Yeah. Yeah, because I was telling Laura about that earlier, and she forgot about it. I was like, oh, my God, you have to rewatch it. Yeah, because she says, uh, Rose says, can I get you anything? And she says, no, you had your chance. And it's just like, oh, no. (laughs) When you see Rose pushing, like, the dresser up in front of the door to go to sleep, it's totally justified. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, you're right. When she says, you're supposed to take care of me, her basic response is, I'm not babysitting you. Don't touch my stuff. Get out. We'll see, and if this were a comedy, this would be the beginning of an unlikely friendship. <laughs> yeah. Instead, it's the beginning of an unlikely murder. Right. Yeah, so you'd have, a, you'd have exactly 100% less decapitations. <laughs> it would be hilarious. Oh. You could go frolic with Demon Daddy in, in the boiler room. Yeah, <laughs> the boiler room. Was it uh, the boiler room? Is that not yeah. what it's called? Okay, I thought yeah. I called it the wrong thing. Oh, and it's so sad when she does her recital and like nobody claps or anything it's just she stops like it's the end and nobody does anything so then she starts playing again i thought she was looking out into the audience yeah i do find that kind of hilarious in a way where i should not find it hilarious because as i said i have children i've been to enough stupid kid concerts and anytime there's a pause people start clapping because they're like (laughs) i guess this is the end and just to have that happen so many times (laughs) with no one applauding i kind of enjoyed it yeah people do as soon as there's a pause they're like okay it's over validation (laughs) like no no i'm not done yet none of those people are her parents no one has any idea what song she's playing yeah she picked a real jam too yeah oh my god i don't think the girl before her was like twirling batons that were on fire like this is a prep school everything's going to be kind of (laughs) very serious and and tonally depressing i don't want to say depressing but i don't think it's uh you know a giant talent show with people you know on tight ropes or anything like that i am now curious that you say that i am curious to know about the other performers (laughs) I do want to know, like, what did that lineup look she's, like? Yeah, she's walking backstage. There's, like, a mime back there. I would love that. <laughs> like, but everything has to be based in Catholicism because it's a Catholic boarding school. Oh. So it has to have, it's like a religious mime. So we just get the performance from um, Drop Dead Gorgeous. Oh, jeez. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
She was next. <laughs> and this Rose goes alone to watch the performances. Some girl says something to her. Hands or something. Yeah. And she's like, I gotta go by. Just really brushes her yeah. off. Oh, no, that's her friend at the beginning. But no, she, when she's walking to the performance. Oh, um, sorry. This happens too. And then I wrote, what's with the spoon? Oh, and she said it. So this is after they're talking to the headmaster, Mr. Gordon? Mr. Gordon. Yes. yes. And they find out that Kat's parents, they can't get a hold of Kat's parents. So she has to stay at the school. Rose told her parents to come later because we'll find out she wanted to talk to her boyfriend about this possible pregnancy. So they're the only two girls left at the school with the two nuns? Are they nuns? I always, yeah. thought, I always thought they were nuns, but I, I could be wrong. I'm going to say, we're going to say they're nuns because I think Rose... They're so, like they're like casual Friday. Nuns. Yeah, yeah. You know, ca- they're not in the garb, but you know, they're yeah, they're they're dressed down nuns. Not in the habit, but nuns nonetheless. So the the nuns have to stay with the girls because the girls' parents aren't there, and they're setting the table for a super awkward dinner. And yeah, the spoon. There's like this shot of the bowl and the spoon, and she's looking at the spoon and she strains it on the napkin. Yeah. And that, yeah, we were both perplexed with that scene. There was so much intention on that shot. See, this is when I should say something really smart. I have no idea. I don't either. Um, Well, maybe someone out there knows. (laughs) But later that night, we also get another phone ringing. So I know the day by her hairstyle. Okay. By Kat's hairstyle. So the first day, the 21st, she has a low pony. This is So she has a low ponytail, right? And then she has the little French braid bun thingy. So this is French braid bun thingy because it's kind of the more intricate hairstyle that she would have for her performance. That's how Uh, I keep track of the time. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's it's very clear, and I know you you sort of said it, how after the performance, everyone leaves with their parents. Like Mm -hmm. that is the end of the semester sort of kicking it off, that's it. And that's why we're thrust into because I remember first watching this and going, oh, there's this huge performance, and suddenly – the place is empty. Like, it's totally dead. Mm-hmm. And just being thrown just a little bit by that, just to start contrast, you know, how we said it was so crowded before. Mm-hmm. And I think that's another thing this movie does so well. It's just play with space because you, you always get a sense of how large it is, but yet we always feel like we're stuck in these rooms like we're stuck in their dorm rooms like everything feels so big and small at the same time even that house it's so claustrophobic like i felt like oh my god you have a you know you have an infirmary and a kitchen and a dining like all this stuff they're each such tiny rooms in this enormous campus and enormous building i think that's just so brilliant because they would do that they'd be like We'll shut off all the lights on every floor except for the fluorescents that are right outside your room. That was something that was creepy too because like you said, it's these huge spaces that feel really intimate. So you have these yeah. dark corridors and the, the lit doors but then the hallway's dark. They, he plays really well with darkness too because I yeah. like the scenes um, coming up with Joan especially the yeah. way that they're lit. And the, and the other thing that's done so well, and you know, we can talk about how good this movie looks because it looks phenomenal. So good. There's also so much with this 
you know, shallow focus. You see it all the time where it's just like the character in the foreground is in focus, everything else. And that could just be a sliver or we're just seeing somebody in focus in the mirror. Everything else is out of focus. And that's done so many times through this film. And it's, it's such a wonderful, you know, and I don't, I don't know exactly what it's trying to say, but it keeps you locked in on the character you're supposed to be paying attention to. It keeps you locked in on a portion of the screen, and it's almost like, don't, don't worry about these shadows. Don't worry about this blurry monster that you may see in the back. Like, it's not important. Don't, it's not really there. It's so smart, and the idea, like you said, it feels so cold, but also with the snow, it feels so bright all the time, but everything is just through the windows because the moment you get inside the rooms it's dark again Mm -hmm. yes and the rooms just kind of feel depressing too like they don't feel warm or like a lot of personal touches or anything it just feels very like oh you come in here to sleep and that's it well and going back to the to the shallow focus i think too that helps build the sense of dread because everything is kind of blurred out but you know something's there it's like when it's in the corner of your eye so then when everything starts being revealed i think because you know it's there you just don't know what it is yeah right and i wonder too if that may be kind of like a comment on the loneliness or maybe even depression how you feel like you're not really like the world isn't in super focus or you're not really sure. part of it. Um, I hadn't thought about that until you mentioned yeah. it. So No, I could I could definitely see that. And I do I do think it's probably it's probably something to do with this religious school. Like I don't know how many things they can hang on their walls. I don't know if they can just push pin posters up on the walls and have, you know, a shirtless Brad Pitt or anything like that. Like I don't I don't know how much of that they can bring because you're right. There's no there's no sense of these areas being lived in or personalized in any way. Yeah. Clinical. Mm-hmm. Institutional. But then from here, we are we don't know who she is at this point, but we are introduced to another character who we will come to find out is Joan. She's alone at this bus stop, and we get these kind of like real fast little flashes of things. Like it, it's obvious that she was in some kind of she was in some kind of hospital environment. Yes, and she's fidgeting. Yeah, her pulling the pulling the like fidgeting with the bracelet that's on there. There, there are two things in this movie that I do not like. I think there are two things that keep this from. No matter how many times I watch it, it keeps it from getting a five on Letterbox. It's been sitting at four and a half. Mm-hmm. And it is those flashes, like the flashbacks of how she became Joan. I, I just feel like that's so unnecessary. When it, when it's revealed what's going on here, we get it. We don't need that. I don't need to know how she escaped. I don't mm. need to know that she possibly killed some innocent woman named Joan who may have worked there, may have not. And the other part of this movie that really bothers me, and we'll get there in a minute, is the contortiony scene. Oh. I feel like that's so over the top and just unnecessary because we don't get anything that bizarre or supernatural except unless it's from her perspective and she's seeing demon daddy yeah exactly even when they do the exorcism like Lacey said it's the most chill exorcism ever 
Um, yes, exactly. Just yes. like, hey, guy, not cool. Can you just just go? Um, yeah. there's, this, guy, this guy really does walk in like, oh, this again. All right. It's like, oh. okay. But there's not, nothing like in other exorcism right. movies where she's like floating or head spinning yes. around or anything. That one scene where she does the back bend... Which it makes just, my back hurt just thinking about, oh, God. The only, like, oh, you're not supposed to bend like that right. um, scene. And, yeah, it feels a little out of place. Uh-huh. It, it feels so, it feels like such a weird focus group thing where they may have shown it to people and they're like, hmm, we're not sure if she was really possessed or maybe she's just doing this on their on her own. And it feels so showy in a movie that is anything but showy. You mm-hmm. don't – I don't need the CGI nonsense. Like I don't – I don't know if it's CGI. It could just be a – you know, they brought in a gymnast or something like that. <laughs> but it's so unnecessary in a film like this. You need it in The Exorcist. Fine. She walks down the steps on her hands and her head spins well, around. Great. Fine. Have fun with that. This is not the movie for that stuff. Yeah. That's really funny that you point that out because it's like, I must have been looking elsewhere. I must have been taking a note because the first time I watched this movie, missed that completely. So my second viewing, you can imagine my surprise. <laughs> this is so great. I love that you guys are saying this because me too, 100%. Okay, when good. I watched this the second time, I... Because I watched this on Netflix, and I've only done this a couple of times, where I was halfway into this movie, I paused it, I went to Amazon, and I ordered the Blu-ray. Like I was like, I need to own this. And then, when I watched the Blu-ray, I was like, well, this wasn't in what I watched on Netflix. But I must have just looked away for a second. Yeah. I really didn't realize that it happened, because I thought that for a a second, too, because I think I watched it the first time on Amazon Prime, and then I watch it on Netflix. I'm like, did they get different cuts? <laughs> but yeah, going back to Joan, like the flashbacks, those were unnecessary. Because I think it almost would have been scarier. It would have been scarier and better in the long term to have us piece together how she got out. Oh my God, yeah. And and I don't even care how she got out. Mm-hmm. You could ever remove that bracelet and we know she got out. I don't need to know how, but it's... It's one of those weird things that makes her seem so much more sadistic than she actually is. Because every killing she does is with the intention of pleasing Demon Daddy. Mm -hmm. Except for whatever she did to this Joan person. Like, that was simply a, I gotta get out. It wasn't Demon Daddy telling her to do this. It wasn't, you know, connecting the dots from where I am now to Demon Daddy. Where everything else seems so intentional and almost instructed by someone else, that just, whatever. I don't care if she killed 20 people to escape or, like, walked out the door one day when they weren't looking at it. Like, I don't need that kind of information. I think it would have been better just to leave it, leave that be, and let your mind piece it together. And like you said, it seems like everything she's doing is... Very intentional. um, It has purpose. It's not like she's just... I mean, obviously, she is a... Like, she is a killer. Like, she's killing these people. But she's not killing people to kill people. She's killing people... For purpose. For her her demon daddy. But... um, She's not a... She's not a... Jason Voorhees, like, th- like right. that's not what this is, and the that part of the movie does feel like, all right, here's a, here's a horror trope in here. I'm like, mm-hmm. no, stop it, <laughs> don't do that. Mm-hmm. Other than that, perfection. 
I hate to keep harping on 100%, the two though. things this movie doesn't do well. Well, it's like there's so few. We have to talk about it a little bit. We did skip over the part where Rose tells the legend about the nuns that are Satan worshippers. Did that already happen? I thought that was in the second part. No, I have that oh. here. Um, legend of the nuns. I didn't get the feeling that there were demon-worshipping nuns there, but that came across to me as more like the senior just trying to right. scare the freshmen. Yeah. I, that's how I read it, but once you hear it, I cannot look at these women the same way after that. Like, all every time I watch them then at dinner, I'm like, are they wearing wigs? <laughs> I'm like, I was looking at their eyebrows. Like, <laughs> it's like, are those eyebrows little tiny wigs? <laughs> I can't tell from here. But yeah, so back to... Joan. Oh, no, wait, that's all that we see of Joan right then. Oh, she pulls out a map. She makes a phone call. Right. The phone number's disconnected. She pulls out a map, and she, like, the camera follows, and we see Bamford? Bramford. Bramford. And, and then Portsmouth. Which, fun fact, Bramford is the name of the apartment building in Rosemary's Baby, Baby that... The devil worshippers live in so so wonderfully on the nose like i just i love it i love it so much i love those little tiny nods and then we're back at the school no don't doesn't she meet bill is not it, not yet okay never mind no, she, yeah it's just we're just hanging out with her for for this first real brief yeah it's just a um, real quick they don't even do yeah. the title card with her name on it we just right. There's just this person. See, this is what happens when I try to take notes. This is why I can't do it. <laughs> I get my times all mixed up. <laughs> we meet Rose's boyfriend for like half a second. This doofus doesn't matter. Who? I mean, I honestly do appreciate the fact that he does offer to drive her. You know, I, I thought that that was, let's say, nice of him. Like, yeah. it's, it's, and it's, it's, again, it's one of those things where I don't know how much they're bringing to this or how much Perkins is, is directing mm -hmm. them, but it feels like such a, a real way that these two people would deal with this. Mm -hmm. They're just like, what, 17, 18-year-old mm -hmm. kids trying to figure this out, and it feels so natural. Yeah. yeah. And talking about putting a lot into, into a very little amount of dialogue, because yeah. he goes, I just want you to be careful, and she's like, careful. Yeah. It's like every, yeah. like, it's so weighted the way that she says it. And, like, you get everything she means. I felt yeah. that. Yep. And and more what I took away from the scene was that she's just kind of done with him. She's, this is her thing. You know, I get the feeling that she's probably not going to keep the baby. But she's just like, no, I'm doing this. I, I'm me. I'm taking care of this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, I get the feeling she's not keeping the baby. She's not keeping the boyfriend. This is it. Yeah. Like, this, this is totally it. She's, you know, this is a scare that is, I, I don't want to say set her down a different path, but I think that this is something that really causes her to grow up. You mm -hmm. see how mature she is compared to, well, the other two yeah. characters that we've mm -hmm. met so far. And then we get full on creepy about everything. She's like hearing voices through the vents. Yeah, she's like in the bathroom kind of like going over everything that happens. And then the, the is it a radiator? Yeah, like the radiator in, yeah. the, in the bathroom. Yeah, like the... I guess that's called a radiator. They're in every school bathroom ever where it's just like this box with slits at the top. Yeah, like, I yeah. I guess it's a radiator. It's something, and she can hear muffled a muffled girl voice and distorted 
voices and pipes banging and it's all yeah. very creepy. Yeah, and then she's walking around and just all these hallways are super creepy. And talk about, okay, again, building dread. Mm -hmm. And she ends yeah. up down in this super creepy boiler room where she looks through the window and there's a figure just like rapid bowing. I, I think, I almost guarantee you this is where I paused it and I bought the Blu-ray because I was so... This is so scary looking. I, I don't know if they, you know, if they sped up the footage or what, but it is wild bowing. Like, that looks so crazy. That's what I was thinking is, like, how is she moving that fast? How, how is she not hitting her head on yeah. the ground? Because at first, yeah, that's what I, th I thought we just weren't hearing the impact because it looked like she was just repeatedly slamming her head. Right. Um, into the ground. And I also like how they don't, you figure that it's her, but yeah. they don't show her face or close-up. She's just kind of a silhouette. You can and, see the hairstyle. And that, that's really, I don't know, that just adds to the overall creepiness of it to me, yeah. that she's not even like a person, just a figure. Right. Well, and, this, and the shot right before you see her bowing is Rose's eye in that little cutout, which to me, just, oh, that just <laughs> freaked me out almost oh, as yeah. much as almost as much as the bowing, because <laughs> you see her eye just slightly widen at what she's seeing. Yeah. Oh, and then we're back to Joan, and this is when we find out her name is Joan, and she's asleep in a hotel room. No, oh no no, you would. I oh. skipped something. <laughs> That's yeah, what I did. I know. That's it's did fine. You, okay. So, <laughs> so we did. So maybe, maybe she did meet Bill. She at did the meet end of the, the bracelet scene because I was I was messed up too. Yeah. So at the bus stop, she met this guy named Bill. Who at first I was like, oh man, this guy's gonna be creepy. My fight or flight yeah. was just like, nope, nope, all the nope. I mean, even later when he's in her hotel room, I was even like, should I be getting? It gets less creepy every time I watch it. Mm -hmm. He seems sincere and he seems genuinely concerned. But come on, the first time you watch it, it's a girl in her early 20s, maybe pushing mid-20s, and this guy's in his 50s, pushing 60, maybe early 60s. It has such a creepy vibe. I've seen so many movies like this before yep. that do not go the direction this one does. So, yeah, red flags all over the place. Yeah. So he offers to give her a ride, and it's him and his wife. So that was the first thing that I was like, oh, okay, wife's there, maybe this will be okay. That's even when it's creepy, because he's like, you see that car way over there that you can't see inside of? Oh, but yeah, my wife's in there, come with me to the car. Like, that is so scary. It totes promise. Like, sure, dude, I sure. I promise Lauren Holly's just hanging out in that car. You want to meet her? You want an autograph? Come with me. <laughs> No, but that's the thing, too, just sitting here thinking about it, because you're so, at least I was, I think all three of us were, because we're focused, like, okay, what's he going to do? And you're kind of focused on right. when he's going to, what he's going to do, and is he going to be bad, that you're never really looking at her like that. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's wonderful deflection. Plus, it's James Remar. He's kind of creepy in most everything he's in. So I'm immediately on the defensive. I see James Remar in the movie. I'm like, well, he's the bad guy, right? That's okay. 
That's exactly what I watched it with my husband and our roommate. And that was exact. I was like, okay, he's never the good guy. <laughs> I was like, do not trust him. So yeah. So Bill and Linda yes. are the two people in the car mm-hmm. that pick up Joan and they're going to take her, I guess they're taking her to Portsmouth. Yeah. Well, uh, Linda says we're dropping her off at the next gas station. Oh, yeah, Linda's not having it. Um, Linda's reaction is like, Bill, another 20-year-old girl? Are we going to keep doing this? Like, Linda's reaction is really, this is not the first time this has happened today. <laughs> it's like, how much? How many, how many hours have they wasted just picking up? <laughs> it's so crazy. She's like, we have been on the road for 12 hours. We live 10 miles away. <laughs> But they do let Joan hang out with them, and they get her a hotel room where they're staying, and we find out that she has a bullet wound, and we see a little, like, flash of somebody shooting, and so we assume it's at her. Um, also, don't need that. I love seeing the bullet wound and just being like, oh, that's, a, that's an interesting, bizarre scar, and yeah. then just to have that reveal later would have been such a mm-hmm. better payoff. It's like, huh, that looks like a bullet wound. Yeah, right. But also, <laughs> the flashback is of somebody shooting, and it, well, yeah, duh, obviously, if she has a bullet wound, somebody shot sure. her. Right, yeah. I guess so there was no guessing what kind of... <laughs> right, yeah, it's like, well, we don't want people to think it's a cigarette burn. Yeah, like, exactly. Just, just let the movie play. Just let <laughs> us figure this out. Like, no, 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 it's definitely a gun. But yeah, there is the scene where she gets out of the shower and she's in a towel and Bill comes in to talk to her. And both of us were like, no, 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 no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, any any sensible human being, I would say, in that situation would be like, listen, um, come over and get me when you're dressed. Maybe, you know, we don't need to hang out with you in a towel. Yeah. <laughs> for, for an extensive period of time here. Yeah, there was one point, because I, I was questioning Bill, and there was one point where I wasn't sure, because I can't remember, because I think she asked, where's your wife? Yeah. And his eyes just drift a oh. little bit. And I'm like, okay, what are you doing there? <laughs> yeah, and just like his response of, she's in the room. She's asleep. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's just move on with yeah. this scene right now. But I thought that was, but I think that's the scene where he asks her if he, she believes in God. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that jaw clenching, the way that it's lit, oh, yeah, the yeah. shadow. Oh my God. Yeah. But he also so s- says something about, oh, he's talking about coincidence and how he can't ignore coincidence and she gets this look where she's like, oh yeah, oh yeah. And then when she finds out where they're heading, she finds out they're going to Bramford, like her whole demeanor changes. Yes. And it's these wonderful beats. And I know we're not at the diner restaurant yet, but everything starts to click for her. And it's just one thing after the other, after the other that tells her, this is where I should be. This is what I should be doing. This guy even told me there are no coincidences. Like, this is going down the way it needs to go down. Like, Demon Daddy sent them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then we go back to the school, and Rose is kind of, like, trying to make nice with Kat. She's asking her some questions, and she's like, what were you doing down there in the boiler room? (laughs) She's trying to make nice. She's trying to figure out if this girl's a threat. Well, yeah. Right. But she's like, 
do you sleepwalk? And Kat is not answering any of her questions. Yeah, and she's just in the other room, and it's silent, and it's just a dark doorway. Yeah, and then she just, Kat just gets into bed and is kind of completely ignoring Rose, and this is the point where where she tells Rose, no, you had your chance. Yeah, and um, it's so creepy, because she's just got that 100-yard stare. She's looking right through her. Like, it. it's so terrifying. Yeah. Like, it, it really is. And, and, and I'm not saying you see regret in Rose's eyes at this point, but it, it really is one of those things where Rose understands that there's something wrong with this person. And I, again, I don't know what sort of relationship, if any, they had before. I, I mean, mm-hmm. I'm building a whole backstory where she doesn't have friends, where she's very, you know, standoffish. And, and maybe at this point, Rose is like, you yeah, know, that's why she's kind of touched in the head or something yeah. like that. But this is when she does go into the room and push her dresser in front of her door, which I think is it's such a wonderful touch because it's one of those things in horror movies. I'm sure people would say like, Oh, you heard talking in the boiler room, so why would you go down there? Well, okay. But this is such a natural thing that you should do in this situation. Because it's like, um, this girl just told me her parents are dead. Yes. And that I had my chance, and she's just kind of staring at stuff, and she was in the boiler room bowing. Right, yes. The least I can do. (laughs) She said her parents are dead, and she seemed okay with it. That is very (laughs) terrifying. Like, she seemed at peace. Right. Yeah, and and so then we do come to the diner where Joan and Bill are down there and Linda's going to come meet them. And one, one thing that really struck me in that scene is he asks her if she has family or friends or someone, and she says, someone. And he said, well, someone is better than having no one. And that yes. that gives her a very that's the theme of the that should be the tagline yeah because <laughs> um, yeah. she seems like yeah yeah that's right and it was like oh. I, also, I also I also think it's an important thing for his character to say because we you know I I'm assuming it was their only child and mm-hmm. I can't imagine what kind of strain that puts on a relationship but I think basically he's saying I kind of have no one I know I have a wife but who knows what their relationship is like yeah. now but he's kind of looking at her and almost saying you're in a better situation than I am strangely enough at mm-hmm. least you have someone that's a really good point because yeah they don't seem like they have a great relationship because it kind of seems like no. he's trying to do things to bring himself peace or closure and it, everything seems to annoy her. Yeah, because she doesn't, Linda doesn't seem, like, it's, super keen on this well, trip. It seems like their grief is manifesting in different ways. Like, how they deal with their grief is yeah. polar opposite to the other. Yeah. Yeah, it's it seems very strange, and it's, it's I'm saying this in a joking way, but it, it's almost like, before you get married, like somebody should ask you this question. Like if you lost a child, like how would you react? Because these two people clearly are, are going through this in very different ways. And it seems to me like Lauren Holly has had enough. Like she wants to just move on with their lives. Like let's not, not let's stop thinking about this girl or anything like that. But Mm -hmm. he seems obsessed with his daughter. Yes. And I know it's been what, four years. I think they say nine. 
nine years. Yeah, you're yeah. right. Yeah, I think it was nine years. Yeah, I mean, that's a long time. I'm not I'm not saying you ever would get right. over something like that, but it just seems to be like this. Lauren Holly wants to get past this, and, and he's mm-hmm. so wrapped up in it, I'm sure, day in and day out. It's a long time to stay in that grief period. Yes, right. There's an amazing line from a play that talks about dealing with the death of a child and the character says it's not something that ever goes away but instead of like being a boulder on your back it's more like a rock in your pocket it's always with you and yeah she seems more like she's got a smaller more manageable thing that's with her whereas he feels like he's still it just happened yeah like yeah soaking in the tub of it yeah and i'm I'm not saying that one reaction is better than the other Mm -hmm. either i mean these are just two very different people dealing with this in very different ways yes but he also does seem kind of obsessed with i don't know not finding a replacement for her but if he does this a lot where he's picking up he's charles and trying to help he's Finding his daughter in in different situations. Um, He's finding his daughter in everything because, I mean, the thing he says is, you remind me so much of my daughter. And I'm like, no, she doesn't. Yeah. I mean, like, like, first of all, crazy different colored hair. Your daughter didn't have those eyebrows. Like, He's just looking for his daughter in every person that is roughly that age. He's seeing her all over the place. And, yeah. I, and I joked earlier about how they picked up another girl earlier that day, but I'm sure they're just walking to the supermarket and he's approaching girls. And Lord, he's like, I, I'll wait in the car. I'll be in the car. But yeah, it is during this that mm. Joan finds out that they are Rose's parents. And where the audience yeah, finds out probably, that this timeline that isn't linear. Yeah. And like you said, this is when things really start to click for her. And yes. She's like, right place, right time, right people, right everything. She goes to the bathrooms, laughs. She can't believe her luck. Yes. That that laugh in the bathroom is so chilling. And then also when she comes out of the bathroom and sees that the cop is there, again, it's like, I narrowly escaped this cop. Like everything, you know, Demon Daddy is putting this all together for me. Mm-hmm. This is going to work out. Going back, I was just really quick. I made it. I just kind of was thinking about it, and this was an observation I had. But a a film about loneliness, you think about Kat and you think about Rose, but then Rose's parents are equally as lonely. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I didn't think about them being lonely, but yeah, they're together, but they're alone. Yeah. Very interesting. It's just everybody's lonely. What an uplifting film. I really like this note that you have here, Lacey. Which one? It says, Cat behaves strangely, murders. (laughs) Like, slash, murders. Should I not put murders occur? (laughs) No, I mean, it gets the point across, but I just like the way it's phrased. Well, is, is this is where they have, is this where Lauren Holly has her monologue in the yeah, car? Yeah, because um, they're getting in the car after, because there's going to be this snowstorm. And, um. Oh yeah, they so, got to keep going. So they got to, and that's when she has her thing about, you know, you know, I saw her once and she goes through that and she's like, you look nothing like her and I can't even see you. Yeah. So that's her like big moment. Yeah, she definitely is like, I don't have time for you, girl. Yeah, I I'm so confused by this, and and it's it didn't work itself out in any of the viewings because I don't 
quite understand what we're supposed to think about her character. I don't quite understand what we're supposed to think about the interaction between these two, like what she thinks mm-hmm. of Joan, because it. The, the thing that makes it even more confusing is how insistent she is that they do not pull the car over them later. It, it's almost one of those things where you're like, does she know what's going to happen? But why would she know what's going to happen? You know what I mean? Like, it's it's so confusing to me. And I do, I do enjoy the monologue. It does, though, kind of feel a little bit out of place. Strangely enough, her character feels sort of out of place. I mean, I, I honestly... And give me Lauren, Holly, and everything. I watch a lot of picket fences. I'm fine with it. But it's it's one of those things where I feel like it could have just been James Remar picking her up alone. I don't think other than other than to give the idea that there's a really, really rough relationship between the two, I don't quite understand what Lauren Holly's supposed to be doing here. Yeah, it, it, it does feel like kind of an against the grain character to, to Bill. But yeah, because she says she talks about how he sees her everywhere and he sees her. Yeah. He tries to find her everywhere and she never sees her except she saw her this one time and she kind of goes through that. And mm-hmm. then she's like, but I, you don't look anything like her and I can't even see you. Right. So it does feel like she kind of, she kind of gets the gig. I, it feels like she knows what's happening. Yeah. It's, it's, it, and that makes me wonder because how could you not, know the the identity or how the person looked who killed your child you assume that there were trials you assume that they were there and i understand nine years have gone by but i do think it's also very telling where she's like i saw my daughter once which makes me almost think like i saw her in kieran shipkin like i could see her in her eyes Mm. but you have changed you are not that person anymore i can't see you it doesn't make sense why she would allow any of this to happen if she knew who she was. But if she doesn't know who she is, none of this makes sense at all. Yeah, it's like she's suspicious of her, but not enough. Yes, exactly. It's like, I know you. I know I don't trust you, but also you can stay in the back of the car. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, never do that. That's so dangerous. It's like, always let them ride in the front. <laughs> yeah. Right. like this is why we don't pick up hitchhikers but yeah and this is like you said Laura like it kind of everything starts picking up steam yeah oh yeah and now for as much build as we've had is when it yeah. just shoom oh because we go down the hill cat behaves strangely yeah. in murders she does <laughs> behave strangely it is a little strange it's I like guess. is it I because agree. of the back bend maybe yeah. you know because they send Rose out to they they find out that her parent um Cat's parents are dead. So right before you can clearly see that she's altered. Oh yes, her coloring has changed. Right, she's yes. paler. Her hair's down again. I'm going by hairstyle, mm-hmm. but she just she has a different pallor. Yeah, so they're sitting at the table again. It's it's the two we're gonna assume casual Friday nuns. And Rose and Kat, and they're sitting down for this lunch, and Kat's not reciting the blessing like she did the first time. It yeah. looks like she's staring right at Rose. And the nun says, like, you need to recite grace. And she tries to start, and she just stands up and vomits at the table. So, you know, that is some strange behavior. <laughs> yes. And Rose makes a comment, because there's a, there's a phone call at some point, and... Cat answers and says yeah, that 
sorry, I was oh, going to say, the phone call is right after this. Oh. They, they take her back to the infirmary and they have her sitting on the, you know, little bed with the crinkly paper on it. And that's when the phone rings. And that's when the one casual nun walks out and answers it. And you can see, you can tell that they just got news about her parents because, yeah. you know, the, the headmaster, whatever, shows up with the cop later. Um, and then she calls the other nurse over and tells her the news and everything. And that's when basically they tell Rose, you know, they just give Rose something to do, I guess. Like, go out and shovel a path from here to here. Yeah, it's like, go shovel down to the earth. I was like, that's poetic. Yes. Biblical. No, but there was a call, too, because um, it was another call in the hallway, and she answers, and she tells Rose that the headmaster says she can live there. And so Rose, at, at lunch, asks one of the nuns, she's like, hey, is Mr. Gordon coming back? And she's like, well, why would he come back? And then that call happens, and they're like, Mr. Gordon's coming back. And she's like, oh, crap, her parents are dead. Like, it's just this unspoken agreement. But yeah, so they so she goes out and starts shoveling, and then she goes up back to the house after she, I guess presumably she's done, and the door's locked. Right. And she can't get back in. Uh, that and that's why she goes back to her room. Yeah, she goes and I guess goes to sleep, and then that's where Cat comes to find her. And then then we flip and we see it from Cat's point that, of view. We start seeing the events of the last few days explained from her perspective. And kind of going through this, I almost called it a courtship, where Demon Daddy is kind of like, like, hey, if you let me possess you, I'll be your friend. <laughs> exactly. And, and what I really love about this is there's been so much happening in, I'm going to say, the present day, where every viewer at this point should understand what's happening should understand that Joan is cat at this point. But I, I just love this, how it's like, okay, in case you have no idea what's going on, like it's, it's totally necessary. You need all of this for everything that's about to happen. Yes. But I also like the fact that it does hold your hand. And, and sometimes that's bad for movies. Sometimes I don't think movies give the, the audience or the viewers enough credit but even though you know what's happening, this still none of it feels forced. None of it feels unnecessary. I, I really enjoy going back and seeing things from a completely different perspective. And I think part of the reason that it works so well is it's not too long. Like they right. don't take yeah. too long to explain all this. They're just like, okay, here's here's the highlights of what you need. Whenever she's telling the legend about the nuns, Cat's not listening to that. She's looking at the demon bunny looking thing in the corner. The demon bunny. Yeah. Well, it looks like it's got ears. I know. You thought it looked like ears. I thought it looked like the rock on symbol. <laughs> yeah. It's very strange horns, very odd yeah. positioning. You're right. It does kind of look like the Donnie Darko rabbit yes. at certain points. And it also looks like, you know, a hooded figure from like an Eyes Wide Shut mask on or something yeah. like that. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah, it does. So you start seeing kind of her journey to kind of acceptance and going from being alone to doing the bidding of, of this dark entity that we're starting to kind of see more frequently. And yeah, you see, because I think they show like Rose on the other side of the door, like where Rose would be outside. Mm -hmm. That's when Kat's inside and she's murdering the two nuns. Yeah. Right. And it's so brutal. Yeah. 
It is. And she doesn't go about it necessarily the most clean way. No, no, it's a 16-year-old girl who's killing these women. And it's it's just, you know, the purpose is, hey, get their heads. Mm -hmm. And she's not clean about it. She's a mess. There's blood all over her. And I like the fact that she even goes upstairs to get the pillowcases while the one is clearly still alive. And then she comes back down and 100% like nonplussed just starts stabbing this woman in the back. And then while all this is going on, Rose is happy because she finds out that she's She's not not pregnant. pregnant. Doesn't do her a whole lot of good. I mean, at this point in the movie, we know Rose doesn't make it through. Or we know at least Rose isn't around nine years from now. But there's still... Strangely enough, watching this movie multiple times, every time she gets her period and realizes it, I'm like, oh, there's this sigh of relief in me, which I know it doesn't turn out well for you, but still I'm like, well, at least you don't have to worry about that. Yeah, that is a a nerve-wracking thing to go through. And uh, like when you figure it out, and that that wash of relief. But it it also makes it so much more sad. Because yeah. because there's also something about this that it's such a huge weight off her mm-hmm. shoulders. Mm-hmm. Her parents are coming to get her. Maybe she's just been horrible to Cat because of all this stuff that's been happening. Like, you really do have this feeling just for a moment, like, her story's resolved. Her yeah. story's over. No more conflict for her. I guess everything will be fine. Until she sees the decapitated body in the stairwell yeah (laughs) that changes things and this and let me her murder it's like it does not give you time to think it doesn't give you time to even really react it just happened now i do have a question about what's going on in this stairwell i Mm -hmm. i was i'm confused by what is she just seeing blood and the heads i guess in the pillowcases because why would she bring their bodies and how would she's just a little girl like i don't know how she could bring their bodies right but then later on the cop shows up and it does look like there's a body in the stairwell and i wasn't sure if it was that father mr gordon or whoever that guy was like did she kill him too we don't get any resolution with that i just didn't know what you Both bodies, like when the body is discovered by Mr. Gordon and then when Rose sees the body, they look to be in the clothing that the the two women were in. In the house. In the house. But they're in the house. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe. I'm talking about the stairwell in the dorm. It looks like there's something down there, but yeah, I. I guess it's just the heads in the. And all uh, the blood, I guess. I'm going to have to go back and look at that because I swore there was a body there. Because, and I can't remember, and I don't have it in my notes. She needs five heads, right? No, she needs three. Well, I mean, I don't know if she, I don't know if that's ever expressed. Because she puts three heads down there. Mm-hmm. The two nuns and Rose. And then later brings the two heads of Rose's parents. For some reason, I thought she had to have five, and that's why she kills Rose's parents, oh. is to complete it. But I don't, I don't have it in my notes, and I don't know why I think that. Yeah, and I've read, like, so many articles, and we just watched it. 
But I also had that feeling, but I don't know if it's just because you told me to. Maybe I just <laughs> made that up. <laughs> well, I believed you. It's like, we have five fingers. Yeah, she needs I, five I, heads. <laughs> yeah, I never I never thought there was a, a specific number a quota. on it. Yeah. Now, does this change your Now mind? I'm so perplexed as to why I thought that. You can watch it again and figure it out. Yeah. I don't know. But for some reason, yeah, I thought because she had to have because, five. Yeah. Because Mr. Gordon totally disappears. He's the big wild card with this because once he and the cop shows up, he goes in and he discovers them, and then it's the cop's movie. Like, then we're just with this cop the whole time. Yeah. And I was, and, and upon watching this, I was like, I wonder what happened to Mr. Gordon. It shouldn't be something that I'm wondering <laughs> watching this movie, but it really was. And I thought when the cop went into the dorms, I thought there was a body in the stairwell, which made me wonder if it was him. And ah. I don't know. But See, I don't know. I thought there was a body, too. Maybe. Maybe. Who knows? Yeah, all right. The um, fate of Mr. Gordon will remain a mystery until we watch it <laughs> <laughs> again. But this is where she gets her bullet wound because this scene, okay. Sorry. I no. don't, I feel like we glossed by the oh. fact that she murders Rose. We didn't talk about it. Oh, we did. I, I got, got to the fact that it happened so fast because it's I, like. I, I mean, we spoiled this movie an hour ago, yeah. but still. She turns away. She turns around from the stairwell, seeing this dead body, and there's no time to react. And cats coming out of the bathroom, huge knife, and just brutally start stabbing yeah. her. And it's it's so brutal. Like it's it's the only death we actually see, sort of in real time. I know she stabs that nun in the back a lot, but it's so sad because again, this is a character that we have grown to sort of like and, mm-hmm. and we know she doesn't make it out okay but it, it's just sad how we see her sort of slump to the ground and just die in real time it's it's very sad especially after she just had that huge like yeah right yes exactly she's Moment. got a new lease on life and it just isn't fair and it is it's so gross and it's not graphic at all but how she just grabs her hair and pulls her head up, and she's got that knife, and you know what's going to happen. Yep. And, yeah, and then, I mean, thankfully it cuts away, but it, it really is. It's <sighs> pretty gruesome. Yeah, I was, I the small mercies, because I was like, yeah. I was watching it, I'm going, he, she's not. They're not going to show this. They're not going to show this. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> I'm glad they did it, because I do, I think that would have been gratuitous. But, yeah, so the cops do find her down in the boiler room with her little display of heads um her offering yeah and she won't put her knife down it's so good it's so good i can't i just this it's so good i i just i'm so amazed that they sort of had the the guts to do this like to have her turn around and just slowly walk to him and when she like raises the knife because and it's all muffled then. It's an odd thing where even the cop who's telling her to drop the knife, everything's muffled and super distorted. All mm. the dialogue is. And just the fact that we hear her yell, Hail Satan, is so amazing. And then we just hear that gunshot. That was like that was the part that the, the Hail Satan was the part that stuck with me. I was like, oh my God. It's, she it's looked truly terrifying. It's because her eyes, I don't know if that was a trick of light, like lighting or yeah. contacts or what. She just, she looked otherworldly. Yes. And it was so scary. And then we see the cop from the flashback. 
Yeah, sure. sure. <laughs> Which then leads us into, do we see the exorcist? Do we, do we see the exorcism first or does it go back to Joan? Yeah. I can't remember. Uh, I don't. I don't don't think anybody's going to blame us if we're not sure (laughs) the order of the end of the movie. Anyway, so the reviews come in, I can't believe. (laughs) The two important things that are going to happen at the end of the movie is that she does go into a mental institution, obviously. But there's this, this scene, so again, the most chill exorcism. Yeah, the priest is just like... Here's some holy water. Demon, get out. (laughs) But then this is where the movie, again, just surprises you. Because you see Demon Daddy in the corner, and she's looking at him. And she says, don't go. Yeah, she doesn't want to be exercised. She doesn't want him to go. It's She she doesn't want to be alone. Yeah. She, She, I mean, she just... She just killed three people that were the closest people to her... Since her parents died, it is, it's so sad, but I don't think we can look past the hilarity of this father, Brian, the guy we saw from the beginning showing up fully prepared. Like he brought his exorcism gear with him to this hospital. (laughs) And I just love it. Like there, there's something that's so great, but also kind of creepy because then you have to wonder like the story that Rose told about these nuns and stuff. Yeah, it was all nonsense. It was all BS. But there's something about this priest when he's like, oh, she cut off heads. She put them in the, on the floor in front of this boiler. Like there's something about him that goes, well, demons, like, that's yeah. got to be what it is because he is fully prepared to do this. Just rolls up ready to do his thing. <laughs> Which I guess the hell, they might have told him about the hell Satan, so maybe he's like, hmm. Right. <laughs> yes. I, I like to picture he was about to walk away, and the cop was like, oh, yeah, uh, one last thing. She started yelling about Satan. Just, just to let you know. Oh, that's fine. I'll go get my kit. But you're right about that, because just because somebody says hell Satan, I wouldn't go, oh, man, I bet they are possessed. Probably be like, well, maybe possessed in a different way, but not like actually by a demon. And he's like, no, 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 this is literal demon possession. (laughs) Talk to my husband. At this religious institution, I mean, I I don't think it's that out of the realm of possibility for, you know, for his thoughts to go there pretty quickly. No, well, I watched it with my husband who went to Catholic school, raised Catholic, and he's just like, yep, yep. <laughs> he did not question it. He was like, yep, get it out. Heads in the boiler room, classic sign. I like sign. the thing that he sat there going, yep, I've seen that. I've seen that. My roommate once contorted that way. It was very strange. But no, he was like, there was no guess. He's like, yep, get that exorcism, get it out, get it out. But we do find out that the school is closed down now. Yes. It did not survive this scandal. Shockingly (laughs) enough. And so in the dark of night, they are going to go visit. Bill and Linda. Yeah. And Joan. With Joan in tow. Yes. They Uh, go to lay flowers at their daughter's grave, they say. Right? Oh, yeah. Is it her grave? Is she buried near this school? That seems odd, but okay. Whatever. Or it's like, or do they just visit the site? That's what I was kind of wondering, just thinking about this. I 
I thought they said grave, but whatever. It's fine. Yeah, she has them pull the car over. She starts kind of freaking out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Doesn't she say she's going to be sick? Yeah. She's like, I'm yeah. going to be sick. I'm going to be sick. And Lauren Holly, Linda, she's like, do not pull it over. Don't, don't, don't. And there, it's just mass chaos in this car. And she murders them. Yeah, it's, again, it's so quick because there's no yeah. time to really build up to it. It just happens. Because you're getting the feeling that, uh, yeah, that's probably what's going to happen. And then it just is like, bam. Yes. Um, and that's, that's what I appreciate about this movie yes. is that nothing is over-stylized. And, and we saw the murder of Rose and now we're seeing two more murders in real time. And it feels there's not quick cutting and, and crazy tension being built. It's just like... Throat slash, yeah. and then crazy, crazy, stabby, stabby, Lauren Holly, mm-hmm. and then we cut away from that. And then, does she, this is a weird statement, does she cut the heads off there? Because the, the bodies go in the trunk. Yeah. She cuts, the, she, she cuts the heads off there. I guarantee you, pulled off on the side of the road. It's so weird, because we do watch her go out and open up the trunk of the car, and I was like, I guess this is... I mean, I don't know how many people are driving by an abandoned school, so there's probably not a whole lot of traffic. But, yeah, I think she does it right there. Um, That's what I thought. But then again, I was questioning, right there on the side of the road? But there is a storm coming. Yeah. yeah. So, Got to get it done. Well, also, people might not be on the road. No. Laura's <laughs> <laughs> like, we have to hurry before the snow. <laughs> That's going to be the worst thing that happens tonight. And she... She takes him to present. Well, and think about this. So she, so she, you know, murders, decapitates, uh-huh. bodies in trunk. She stops to put on makeup. Oh, that's right. Oh. She starts getting ready because she thinks that she's about to see her friend again. And so she's like yeah. preparing to see them. Oh. Speaking of A24, it's like she watched The Witch and she's like, I know how this ends. Like, this Mm -hmm. is going to be great. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to go float. I'll be floating around (laughs) naked at the end of this. So much fun. I can't wait. (laughs) But this does not because the boiler room is cold. Oh, yeah. And she she puts her heads and... Well, because first she... Because the schools all get it all. Yeah. And so she has to break in with her her offering of these... Of Rose's parents' heads. Mm Mm-hmm. And she puts, she arranges them just like she did before, just like she's supposed to, and she waits for something to happen, and nothing happens. Like, and the ending where she's outside, she's just covered in blood, yeah. and just, just this shot of her all alone in the middle of this road, snow-covered street, nothing, and just her scream, like her mm-hmm. scream of agony and desperation, and just everything that's been building up, it's so scary it's Mm. so scary and it's sad and i shouldn't be you know having these feelings for a villain that just cut people's heads off in this movie but it really did like it's this and and i really didn't pick up on it the first time i saw it or or, uh, but in subsequent viewings it's just it's sadness heaped upon sadness Mm -hmm. heaped upon sadness in this and it all builds to that scream at the end because that's at the end because i was again watched it with my husband we had very different viewing experience or, or with our roommate as well. And we had different reactions because I was like, I feel so sad for her. Why do I feel sad for her? But I really did. And I think that's a, that's a beautiful job of filmmaking 
to yeah. make you feel empathy for a person that has just murdered in cold blood. Because it also feels, because I was kind of playing around, because Laura and I discussed the ending, because Laura wasn't sure. I felt pretty confident about what I was saying. But it did feel maybe like the the everything that she has done has kind of caught up to her too. Uh-huh. So it's like the weight of that yeah. plus the weight of being alone. Yeah, I think it's, again, just the way I read it is this, she was so convinced. Mm-hmm. She was so sure of herself. And also having experienced that being, that demon daddy before, you know, you have to figure for the last nine years she's been missing that so much and that's all she wants. And with all these weird coincidences, you have to assume in her mind she was convinced this is going to work. Mm-hmm. She was convinced that she would have a connection to someone or something again and just nothing. And yeah. just to have – just to be so defeated and to – you know, who knows if she's thinking about the fact that she just killed two more people and, yeah. and and what effect that may have on her. But just to understand that's not coming back. That thing yeah. isn't there anymore and I, I have nothing to look forward to now. And it's a beautiful shot too. Like yeah. very yeah. sad but like the colors and the way it's composed is beautiful. Yeah. But yeah, right. and that's where it ends. That's our final shot. It's just this agony. Yeah. I am I am I am so glad you enjoyed it. I I just you never know recommending movies to people. <laughs> you never know what they're going to think. I'm I'm really I'm happy that I could suggest something that you may not have stumbled upon otherwise or, or taken the time to see especially given the pretty thing that lives in the house yeah yeah experience. i i am so glad you recommended this because i'm gonna say it this is probably one of my favorite horror movies that i've seen in recent years that's great it's so much more than just slashing and blood it's like that's yes. there but it's just i don't know it hits you on so many different levels that it, and it just, it, it kind of, it, we're not kind of, it stuck with me. And I just, I kept thinking about it and thinking about it. And like I said, I woke up in the middle of the night, like, is Demon Daddy in my corner? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, it was just a fantastic done film. Um, Kiernan Shipka, new favorite. Yeah. I love Lucy Boynton, who plays um, Rose. Rose. And then yeah. Emma Roberts, mm-hmm. who's my birthday twin. Oh. Did you know that? No, yeah. I didn't. Nice. So yeah, I, I I can't say enough about the mm-hmm. women in this movie. Just mm-hmm. just they're they're all destroying it. I've heard. I know a lot of people don't like Emma Roberts for some reason, but you'll hear that about a lot of you know actors and actresses. Of course, I think this is the best thing she's ever done. She's the best part of Scream Four, I will say. But anything after Scream is dog shit anyway. So uh, <laughs> maybe watch Scream Four for her. <laughs> I think I saw that once, but yeah, I remember she, she does bad really well. Mm-hmm. That's interesting that Emma Roberts' birthday is in February because the original title of this movie was February. Yeah. Which is why it works so well to reschedule it because now it's going to air in February yeah. episode. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. That's, you know what? That was the intent all along, yep. right? That's mm-hmm. what's going on. Yeah. And I don't know. It's nothing I should really think too hard about. I don't know if it's a, better title or a worse title i'm not i'm not sure 
Well, one thing that I read online said that the priest is the black coat because he wears black. But I was like, that doesn't really make much sense. But also, every time you see Demon Daddy, he looks like he's in some kind of cloak. Yeah. Right. Also, with her premonition, you don't see that guy's face, but you see that he's wearing a black coat. Uh And and he's the one that she refers to as daddy, where that's Mm -hmm. not what she calls her actual father. So that's how I always read it. I was talking with my friend who lives in Nebraska earlier about the winter and the cold feel of this movie. Because my friend was talking about just how rough January and February are just on your emotional health. So... February makes, it makes sense that this movie is in February because a lot of times that's the most bleak, desolate part of winter in some places. Yeah, and this is, this is my stupid thought. The only thing that doesn't make sense about that is this break, this winter break. Because to me, for schooling, I don't understand. Like, unless they're on trimesters, like, I'm so dumb to sit there and try and justify this. But it was, like, the first time I'm like, Wait, where are they going? It's February. Like, weren't they just home for Christmas? Like, yeah. do they get President's Day off? Like, In- what's the <laughs> deal? <laughs> yeah, spring break is the following month. We're I like, mean- guys, the weather sucks so bad, we're going to let you guys take yeah. off. Yeah, I kind of get that. I, I don't know. This, like I said, I really do feel that this is a modern horror masterpiece. And it is, I don't even like this term. This is criminally underseen. This, this is. is something I think everyone should see i I think any horror aficionado should definitely see this i think it would shoot to the top of anyone's list and if if anyone likes what a24 is doing if people if people watch midsummer and want to see the exact opposite of that because it was all sunny and fun like yeah watch this movie it's so great oh talk about your seasonal horror yeah Yeah, Um, exactly (laughs) love that but yeah it's to me it's not any slower or Mm-mm. than no. the witch is again no, it's no, active no. yeah it's not because there are some movies you watch and you're like okay let's get to the point but this one no it's so active and there's so much happening and there's the storytelling and the acting is so well done that i like you said i never once checked my watch yeah and overall it did get pretty good reviews oh this is that one that you were talking about Lacey eric con from IndieWire said, The root of evil in Black Coat's daughter isn't particularly original or deep, but the movie's twisty plot and eerie atmosphere makes it deeply unsettling anyway. A chilling package of muted performances, disquieting sound design, and isolated locations, the directorial debut of Odds Good Perkins is a competent exercise in style dripping with tidbits of gothic horror that don't entirely coalesce into a satisfying whole but offer plenty mm. of frightening possibilities along the way. This line that Lacey mentioned earlier, the Black Coat's daughter is more of a meditation on dark and dangerous feelings than supernatural frights. I disagree that he says it doesn't come together. Yeah. It's so great. I think it absolutely comes together. And yeah. you know what? This is funny because this wasn't what I read. Oh, it wasn't? No. So two oh. people said that it was a meditation. Um, Justine Smith from RogerEbert.com did not like it. They said, in spite of some compelling performances and a consistent mood, the film fails to ground any of the aesthetic flourishes into story or emotion. Perkins may have the sense to draw on a glacial winter environment as a mood setter, but he fails to move beyond the surface. Which I completely disagree. Yeah, I disagree yeah. with that. <laughs> there weren't... 
It didn't get a lot of review? Yeah, not a lot of the reviews. And New York Times, you have to pay to look at theirs. So um, I didn't get to look at that one. Um, <laughs> They're like, nope. <laughs> They're like, was it good? Was it bad? We'll never know. It's a mystery. <laughs> but yeah, I don't hear people talk about this movie. And yeah. they should be. Well, then you can be one of those cool people that are like, I love this movie when nobody heard about yeah. it. Yeah, I was like, you should listen to my podcast episode about this. Yeah, yeah, I know that one's great. Let's just move on now. <laughs> Let's just move on. <laughs> um, so what's your rating, Lacey? Why do I have to go first? You don't have to. Guess first. Oh, well, I, I already said it's, uh, if we're doing Letterboxd, it's four and a half out of five. If we're doing out of ten, it's nine out of ten. No. I, I really think this is a phenomenal film. I, I find faults with little parts of it as we discussed, but as a whole and as something that I have now watched, I think four times, mm -hmm. it, 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 it's nothing I'm ever going to get bored with. It's like, I would give that, like, I guess I'm trying to think, like, letter-wise, because we, we chose that for some reason. Yeah, I don't know why we Ugh, did that. I don't know why we did that. Um, nine out a of ten minus, knives. but like a 92. Yeah. Yeah, this is this is a <laughs> solid A. Yeah. Or like, yeah, an A, but like a 97. Right before that A plus. <laughs> yes, exactly. It doesn't get the plus, but it's got it's got a solid A. Yeah, this is, this is great. Yeah, I... I have enjoyed it on both of my watches, and I, I do feel like it's one of those movies that the more times you watch it, the, the more you'll get out of it, and you also want to watch it. Like, there are some really yes. amazing movies I've seen that I don't want to watch again. So, yeah. So thanks, Doug, for this cool yeah. programming. You're welcome. I'm happy. <laughs> do you have a recommendation? You know what? I'm gonna. I at the very last second, I kind of I remembered you do recommendations. Oh. I always forget about that. But I'm gonna give you two recommendations. One because it's on Amazon Prime right now. It's his follow up to this, which is Gretel and Hansel. I don't think it's as good as this, but boy, the mood is still there. The atmosphere is still there. I heard terrible things about the movie. It 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 didn't go over well with critics it didn't go over well with audiences i had a joy watching it if you liked this if you can sit through the pretty thing that lives in the, whatever it is yeah. watch gretel and hansel it's great but i'm going to give you another movie that maybe you haven't seen have you two uh have either of you seen woodshock no okay so the reason i bring it up is it's another a24 movie and i'm gonna sell it to you in the worst possible way first. Yes. By saying, the first time I watched it, I totally fell asleep. <laughs> I totally fell asleep. But there was enough there where I went, I should watch this again. The second time I watched it, I was hooked. It stars Kirsten Dunst. Um, okay. It's from, I think, 2017, 2018, no, 2019, no, 2017. <laughs> um, so it's very recent. Um, she sort of created this like strand of uh, this strain of cannabis that is very very potent and has hallucinogenic uh, properties to it she recently lost her mother and she starts to smoke a lot of this and reality blends with fantasy it sounds dumb to say and i don't want to sound like a creepy perv mm -hmm. but if you want to watch 
Kirsten Dunst wander around the house in her underwear looking for her keys for like 15 minutes, <laughs> this is the movie for you. It is – it's shot by two fashion designer sisters. The movie looks gorgeous. It is a beautiful, wacky, kind of like trippy movie. But that's kind of all it does. There's not much of a story here. So this is not for everyone, but I would definitely suggest checking it out. That sounds awesome. I've always been a fan of Kirsten Dunst, so um, I will check that out because I don't think I've heard of it before. It yeah. doesn't sound familiar. And, oh my no, gosh. Nobody's heard of this. <laughs> nobody's, heard this. nobody's seen it. It's Again, I'm not even sure it was a real movie I watched, so maybe check it out just to make sure I'm not making this up. Well, there's a very convincing IMDb page. Oh, okay, great. This movie that may or may not exist. So somebody else <laughs> thinks they saw it. But also, props okay. to Doug for getting a movie written and directed by two women. Nice. Yes. This Laura is my wheelhouse. Guys, I don't – I'm made for your podcast. I all I would say out of my top ten films, I, I would say eight of them are female protagonists nice. or strong female leads. I feel just on a personal level, I feel much more comfortable talking to women than men. Like This is totally made for me to be on your show. Well, you did a much better job of finding um, recommendations that were written and directed by women because Laura and I both found things by men, but they have really – Good lead okay. actors. Yeah. I was going to recommend The Witch because before I read anything, the second I saw this, I it felt like the same movie in some spiritual way. Oh, I feel bad I brought it up so much. That oh. I kind of... No, because that I'm it, it was nice because it kind of validated what I was thinking too. So that's cool. So The Witch is from 2015 if you haven't seen it. Um, it's written and directed by Robert Eggers. It stars Anna Taylor-Joy, Ralph Ineson, Kate Dickey, and Harvey Scrimshaw, who's the little brother who's so creepy. It also stars a black goat. Oh, and and um, Black Phillip. Yeah. Black Phillip. He's there, too. And it's Amazing a family... goat acting. If you're into <laughs> goat acting in your movie, you gotta see this. Yeah. If you need goat acting, and you need it now, <laughs> see the way. If witch. you literally want to watch a goat murder a human being... <laughs> But the synopsis is, a family in 1630s New England is torn apart by the forces of witchcraft, black magic, and possession, and, and a black coat. It's a very, very good movie. It's very good. I went with my mom to the theater to watch this. Neither of us knew what the hell this was and what we were going to watch. And <gasps> it is, it's so great. Like, just not knowing anything going into the, that movie, it paid off in, in an extreme way. I put off watching it for a really long time because everybody I knew was like, it's so good, it's so good. And I was like, yeah. oh, okay, whatever. Yeah, if you want Laura to see a movie, never say it's good. <laughs> she and, will not go. And so then when I finally did watch it, I was like, they were right, it was so good. <laughs> I've got two recommendations, a movie and a book. So my... My movie recommendation is Ghost Keeper from 1981, directed by James Mekachuk, who also wrote the screenplay with Doug McLeod. And it stars Riva Spire, Georgie Collins, Sherry McFadden, and Murray Ord. But I picked this one because it's a very snowy and also has the kind of demon-esque quality to it. 
So the plot centers on a trio of snowmobilers in the Canadian Rockies who, who become stranded at an abandoned hotel where the elderly female innkeeper is hiding an evil entity within the building. So, I feel like this is not going to let me down. My favorite thing is going to IMDb pages where the cast is listed, but there's no pictures of these people. Oh, <laughs> so yeah. I'm very excited. Just a bunch of nobodies running around an abandoned hotel. I love it. Yeah, it, you can tell it's kind of a low budget thing but it was fun and I liked the lead female character and I liked the old lady who runs the abandoned inn but then my book recommendation is The Winter People by Jennifer McManon this book is super creepy it's told in two storylines modern day one Ruthie lives in this old farmhouse with her mother and her younger sister and her mom disappears And then they find out that there are these weird things going on that tie to the past. They find this old diary because in 1908, a Sarah Harrison Shea was found dead in a field behind her house just months after the tragic death of her daughter. And they find her diary and they like kind of start to piece stuff together. And then there's a bad entity out in the forest and... So non-linear stories? Yeah. Creepy entities and lots of snow. But the other recommendation that we have is one that I also feel has some, like the tonal quality is similar to me. And that's uh-huh. Relic. And I that I believe that's 2020. Yeah, that just came out in 2020. So if you guys haven't seen that one, I recommend it. My brother-in-law and I went and watched it out in the woods. Our local drive-in has this little spot like behind the drive-in where it's all trees and kind of creepy looking and so we went and watched this one in the woods but it's a mother daughter and grandmother are haunted by a manifestation of dementia that consumes their family home so it's you know super uplifting yeah right um fun rollicking jaunt for the whole family yeah good time for everyone Mm -hmm. and that's written and directed by natalie or yeah natalie erica james and then it's also written by Christian White. All right. So we have a lot of recommendations for you guys. This is stuff today. I'm putting on a list because uh, I'm always looking for stuff to check out. Anything else you want to cover? I think we did a pretty good no, job. I appreciate you guys having me back on. This is, it's always fun. It, it really is. I mean, there are, honestly, there are certain podcasts people ask me to be on and I get extremely nervous before I come on. And even when I'm there, I'm just sweating, trying not to show it, but this is so much fun. I, I'm so happy you guys keep having me on. Well, we appreciate you coming back on, and yeah. we're glad that we can be a hospitable environment. Yeah. <laughs> sure. No, this is great. Especially if I can make you guys watch stuff that you uh, may not have seen otherwise. I'll keep doing that. I'll just keep sending you recommendations. Yes. And sneaking on the podcast to talk about them. And anytime, you know, you're hard up for a guest, somebody cancels. Somebody cancels, I'll do the research. If it's going to take me two hours to watch a movie, I'll do it. Okay. You're on. We'll All right, ladies. You. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Fatal Femmes. Like us on Facebook at Fatal Femmes and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Fatal underscore Femmes. Have a question or comment for the show? Shoot us an email at fatalfemmespodcast at gmail.com. Episodes are now available on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or whatever podcatcher you use. Don't forget to leave us a rating while you're there. 
If you like what you've heard, check out our Patreon page. We have different sponsorship levels with perks that will allow us to make more content and better quality episodes. We hope you enjoyed this episode, because if you didn't, the consequences could be fatal. Thanks for listening.